Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, podcast number 319, Joe and Big Al are back on Roth IRAs, explaining recharacterization of excess Roth contributions for Richard, converting post-tax contributions to Roth 401k for David in NYC, where it was snowing back when he sent in his question, and they go over the pro rata rule once again for Chris, who may or may not be cruising the food trucks in Austin, Texas. And the fellas also climbed the ladder of target date funds for John in Texas. They'll discuss investing 529 plan money for education, section 199 cap A dividends from real estate investment trusts, and they'll spitball about how Matt Stafford should save for retirement with his new $34 million contract with the LA Rams, just in case you're expecting a football player's salary anytime soon. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Tom Arnold, I mean, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. All right, we got a question. Hi, Andy, Big Al, Joe. This is Chris from Austin again. It's a pleasure to get to ask you another question you've probably answered many times. But first, I don't think I've ever shared with you, but I drive a 2003 Mountain Gray Ford T-Bird. Oh, well, Ford T-Bird. Uh, but prefer to drive my wife's performance tuned and classically lowered 2001 Dodge Dakota quad cab truck when she lets me. Wow. So that's better than the, the T-Bird. Got a T-Bird and a Dodge Dakota quad. quad quad cab that's lowered. Right. Probably has some woofers in there. and <laughs> Probably. By the way, you may not remember it, but I think Chris from Austin is the one that you decided was going to the food trucks to hit on the women. Oh, I guarantee. If he's driving a T-Bird and a lowered. And his wife's cab, car. Yes. <laughs> For sure. What are you doing, honey? Can I take your uh, lowered Dodge Dakota quad cab truck, please? <laughs> I, got, a little... I, need, I need some room to put the women in there. I'm going to play a little um, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> Summertime. We <laughs> just cruise around the food trucks. Right. Uh, you, can, you can picture it, right? Totally. <laughs> All right. Uh, the pro rata rule hurts my brain. I know, I know. You've covered it many times. In each time... I come up blank. I'm not asking to hear Joe's voice go into a high-pitched chord straining level as he works to contain his emotion, though I do get a kick out of it. All right. Well, thanks. I'm just one of those folks that has to hear you insert it. What? Insert my own situation before I get it. Got it. He's got it. See, that's what I got to do. I got to be. Chris from Austin to, to truly answer his question. Yeah, that's why you need to know what he drives I gotta, and yeah, where he's from. And then I, yeah, and then I picture him, okay. right? Got it. Dri- driving this lowered 2001 Dodge Dakota cat trunk. Listen to Prince. Prince. And DJ Jazzy Jeff. Um, I'm going deep here. Yeah, I'm you are. Yeah. Okay, I'm just one of those folks that I got to hear to insert my own situation before I get it, um, much like many of your listeners which is why you get to repeat yourselves on these subjects. It's like 51st dates or Groundhog's Day, Uh, but you're helping each of us individually and we have Alzheimer's or brain injuries uh, so we don't get tired of hearing. (laughs) And then he's got a full page. Oh boy, Chris. All right. I want to know for myself why I'm having such a difficult time understanding this concept and if I should be concerned about the pro rata rule since I do have a slew of traditional pre-tax IRAs as well as a Roth IRA. I think my issue of understanding pro rata comes when the state that 
when they state that a traditional IRA has both pre-tax and post-tax monies in it. Okay, how did post-tax money wind up in a pre-tax IRA in the first place? That's the question <laughs> you can answer for me. And most importantly, do I have such a case? It's very easy. I'm not going to finish this until he goes to his tax return to look at form 8606. But I bet she doesn't have it on there. Guaranteed. The reason why you can get post-tax money in a pre-tax account is you didn't qualify to take the tax deduction in the IRA. Most people make IRA contributions and take the deduction on their tax return. Other people make an IRA contribution that don't qualify to take the deduction. They do it anyway. You can still do the, the contribution. You just can't deduct it. So if you put like $6,000 into an IRA and you could not deduct it, then that's how you get post-tax money in it. I hope you understand the second question. Do I have such a case of mixing pre-tax and post-tax in a month um, in an IRA? Is no, because being the AR, ask Andy, personal person that I am, I've moved pre-tax money from jobs 401k into pre-tax IRAs. I've worked with a company that had both traditional and Roth 401ks, even though I chose to go all in a Roth. I still have traditional pre-tax money already in that account, and the company matching provided would be posted as pre-tax as well. When I moved the monies onto the 401k into IRAs, I had two checks written for pre- and post-tax. I created separate accounts in post monies for the 401k into appropriate pre-tax and Roth IRAs. Okay. So far, so good. So far, so good. I like it. So my thought has been, since I've never had pre or post-tax money mixed into the IRA, as I know of, should I have any concern with the pro rata rule? When I'm backdooring Rothing from my traditional IRA account into Roth IRA accounts, Okay, you're not backdooring anything there. That's just a conversion. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with backdoor Rothing? Is that a new term that I'm not familiar with? Is that on the CFP exam now? Chris just made it up. And by, by the way, like A&R, I think he said, ask Andy. I think he that means he's an artist in repertoire, which means he represents uh, musical artists. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I was cool. thinking something else. Okay. I'm tired of sweating whenever I hear the term pro rata rule that I'm going to get some letter from the IRS telling me that I owe another ton of penalties in cash. Uh, I think you're fine because he had a four. If, if I understand this correctly, I've got lost in all these IRAs, but <laughs> so he's got 401ks that he had post-tax and pre-tax. And the reason why he had post-tax is that it was a Roth 401k that he was contributing to, but the company matched him. Any company match is pre-tax. So when he rolled the money from the 401k, he got two separate checks. Sure. The Roth 401k went to a Roth IRA. The company match that was pre-tax went into an IRA. Right. All good so far. If he makes any type of, the pro rata rule only comes into play, Chris, is when you are converting money from your IRA to your Roth IRA and you're not including 100% of that as income. That's the pro rata rule. Right. So you have post-tax dollars. That's your Roth IRA. You have pre-tax dollars. When you're Rothing, using your terminology here, and you're moving money into the, the Roth from a traditional IRA, there's no worry about a pro rata rule. 100% of it is included in your taxable income. Yeah. Unless you have post-tax basis in an IRA, then some of that Roth conversion would be non-taxable. 
that's where it comes into play. Got it. Just in case you may ask yourselves, so why do I have a slew of IRA accounts? It's actually just six, one pre-tax and one Roth each. I self-manage two, two are managed by a financial manager, the other two in, in SDIRA used to crowdfund, invest in commercial real estate, or oh, self-directed IRA. And then I started converting it over to Roth account. I'm not trying to make my life complicated for the fun of it. Thank you all for what you do and making finances and taxes entertaining to listen to. Happy trails to you all. All right. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Richard writes in, hey, Big Al, Little Joe, and Awesome Andy. Oh, what the hell I did to Dick here? <laughs> Love your show. All of a sudden, you changed his name from Richard to well, Dick. I'm sure that's what he goes by. Yeah. Uh, you seem like you have a lot of fun doing it. Your banter takes keeps the show interesting. And you explain things very well. I've got a couple of questions that have confused me. In March 2020, I put the maximum contribution of $7,000 to my Roth IRA. Then I had an unexpected capital gain that put me over the income limit for contributing to a Roth. All right. So I have to do a removal of excess. I will do that now and before the tax deadline of April 15th to avoid the 6% penalty. Since I'm over 59 and a half, won't be subject to any 10% penalty. I will also have to withdraw the earnings on the excess contribution, which I understand will be taxable as income. All right. So the question is, is he, he put money into a Roth. He thought he qualified because there's income limitations, Al, on Roth IRA contributions. Yeah. So in 2020, he did a Roth contribution, as you said. And if you are single, it starts phasing out at about 125000 And if you're married, it starts phasing out at Almost two hundred thousand. Let's call it. So, and is, so, so you go ahead and make make the contribution. Then you realize, whoops, I'm over the limit. So I've got to take the money back out of the Roth because that's an excess contribution. And there's certain timeframes to 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 do that. And actually, the time frame is you have to do it before you file your tax return. And which, it's called recharacterization. Well, you could do that too, but um, you you have to well. Yeah, I guess. I, yeah. Okay. Never, never mind that comment. Um, so you, you'd have to do it by April 15th, or if you extend your tax return, you have till October 15th to do that. So you wanted to uh, um, scrap that from the record? Yeah. Scra scrap that. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure I've heard that as recharacterization, but may, maybe so. Yeah. That's the only, that's the only time you can recharacterize. Remove all of excess. Well, you could re, you could recharacterize it to an IRA or you could remove it yeah, altogether. Well, I think Dick here is trying to be like, trying to show off <laughs> removal of well, excess. Well, but that's your choice, right? You can recharacterize it to an IRA um, or you can just remove it, but then you have to take the income that you earned and you have to pay tax on it. Okay. Question number one, which tax year will I need to declare the earnings on the contribution 2021? Uh, 2020, because as long as you remove the excess out before you file your tax return, you have to record that excess income on the return you are filing. Now, if you, if you, if you remove the excess after the filing date of your return, then the removal of excess income will be in the year that you actually removed it out. That's the, that's the confusion. That's why you've probably seen both. The TD Ameritrade form I'm filling out to remove the excess says that these earnings are taxable in the year in which the excess of distribution and possible subject to penalty. 
that seems to indicate that the earnings should be taxed as income in 2021 since I'm receiving them in 2021. However, much of what I've researched seems to indicate that they should be taxed as income in 2020 since I'm removing the excess before April 15th. So I'm confused. Yeah. So it's the latter. It's 2020 is when you got you have to record the income on the if if you decide to remove it right so <laughs> and you're right Joe you could recharacterize it you could say I, I don't want to do a Roth contribution I want to do an IRA contribution that's a recharacterization and then there is no excess penalty you can just leave it in correct and then you could probably convert it later depending on the pro rata rule correct <laughs> uh, question t- uh, question two. I will have to sell some securities to cover the withdrawal of the earnings on the excess contribution. How do I declare? God, he loves the word declare too. How do I yeah. declare this on my taxes? Capital gains, interest dividend, Roth distributions, other income. I, he has to sell some securities to cover the withdrawal of the earnings of the excess contribution. Yeah. So it, we'll go back to the original premise here, which is your, you, you, you did a Roth contribution that you weren't entitled to. So now you want to remove it and you have to remove the excess as well. So assuming that the Roth account's fully invested, he's going to have to sell some securities to pull the money out. Right. And so the answer is it's ordinary income. There's no capital gain in a Roth or there's no, it, it's just ordinary income. It's like, it's like pension income. If you pull excess, Roth IRA? Uh, yeah. The, if you pull out excess earnings from a Roth, it's ordinary income. Got there it. is no special capital gains rate. But he has to sell some securities to cover the withdrawal of the earnings of the excess contribution. Selling securities inside a Roth is not a taxable transaction. Correct. But I still don't understand why we'd have to sell some securities to cover the withdrawal of the earnings? Does that, I don't understand the question. So let's say the earnings are a thousand bucks, but he doesn't have a thousand bucks cash in his Roth. He's got to sell some securities to generate a thousand dollars cash to do a distribution. Oh, is that what he's saying? I think so. So if he sells it inside the Roth, there's- That's what I'm saying. There's no- Yeah, but the thousand dollars coming out, out then is, that's the ordinary, ordinary income. income. It's not capital gain. It's just ordinary income. Okay. Question three. Uh, TD Ameritrade says they will send form 5498 to the IRS telling them I had excess contribution, but they won't send me the 1099R that says the excess has withdrawn into, um, until January 2022. Will that be sufficient for the IRS? Or is there any other paperwork I'll need to do to let the IRS know that I withdrew the excess plus earnings before the tax deadline? Thank you very much for your help. Uh, Richard's a stickler. Yes, he is. Oh, my God. I, I swear, <laughs> if he got like a seven-cent penalty, the guy would go bananas. <laughs> I could just see Richard now with his spreadsheets. He's filling out right. 5498. He's like, what the hell? I don't get the 1099R until January 2022? Oh, my gosh. Yep. So recharacterize the stupid account, Richard. To an IRA and forget and about it. And then forget about it. That's what you do. Recharacterize. <laughs> it's a non-deductible IRA is what happens. So you just recharacterize your Roth IRA to a non-deductible IRA. All good. Yeah, then you're done. Oh, right? So then there's no 6% excess Roth IRA contribution. Because if he kept the money in the Roth IRA for several years, and if he's not eligible to keep the money in the Roth, that's where the 6% penalty comes in. It's an excise tax. It's yeah. like, hey, you put money into a Roth when you when you shouldn't have. So each year that you have the money in the Roth, we're going to have an excise tax of 6%. Right. Well, Richard was like, oh, my God, I'm like $4 over the threshold. <laughs> <laughs> and I cannot have any penalties. Should I write him a huge letter? I'm going to call YMYW. I'm, doing, I'm pulling out the stops here. 
recharacterize, Richard. That's all you got to do. Recharacterize the Roth IRA to a traditional IRA. Whatever earnings that you have will show up on your tax return, then pay tax on the earnings. Now those will continue to grow tax deferred for you. So, but to answer the question on the 5498, that is true. That comes out the following year. That's true of everybody. So yes, the IRS expects it. So don't worry about it. All right. Little Joe. Whatever, dude. Got got you fired up. I know. That's what he's trying to do. Well, yeah. Anyone that calls me Little Joe is probably super stickler. He doesn't drink Coors Light and doesn't have a a beer fridge in his garage. (laughs) Find out how you can have tax-free growth on your investments for life. Download the Ultimate Guide to Roth IRAs for free from the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Learn the differences between a Roth IRA, a traditional IRA, and a Roth 401k. Learn about Roth contributions versus Roth conversions and backdoor Roth conversions. Find out about taking withdrawals from a Roth and more. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app go to the show notes and download the ultimate guide to Roth IRAs. And of course, if you still have questions, and I know you do, you can click the Ask Joe and Al on air banner there in the show notes and send them in. Uh, David from New York City writes in, Alan. Okay. Hi, all. First of all, let me say again how thrilled I was to win the Amazon gift card in last September's podcast survey contest. I did send a note of thanks the same day I got that news. So don't give me a hard time for waiting six months to show my appreciation. Yes, he did. Oh, thank you. I'm a big fan of the show. Usually listen to a my walks around Central Park. Look at a little photo. Sends us a photo. Looks a little cold there. Yeah, in, little uh, Does that remind you back home in Minnesota? Um, I totally blacked everything out you don't remember <laughs> don't remember anything about myself <laughs> got it <laughs> so the, the winters yeah right is, the winters sure understand uh which can be tough as i'm cracking up when you go off on one of your wild tangents like about the guy who listens to audiobooks in double time you can't remember <laughs> remember a single one priceless yeah you remember that discussion yes i do me too okay i remember who that was even <laughs> How many books you listened to this week? Oh, six. <laughs> what were they about? I don't know. I have no clue. You got a title? I forgot. <laughs> it's. I'll put it this way. It's someone you and I know really well. So there's books on tape that you're going on like 10 speed. Slow the thing down. Brother. I tried it once at, at one and a half speed just to see if I could oh, do God. it. I, I, couldn't, yeah. I couldn't do it. it I'll live in the chipmunks. It, me it feels like you're on crack. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not that I know what it's, it's like to be on crack, but um, anyway, I'll try to make my question as brief as possible about after-tax 401k contributions. My wife started making those not long ago, and contributions of about $5,000 have appreciated to roughly $6,000. Up to now, she has only made traditional 401k contributions, including catch-up contributions to the max each year. And right now, is set up to max them out again in 2021. I believe it's possible to convert those after-tax contributions to a Roth 401k, which I think would be smart since the majority of our retirement savings are in traditional IRAs and 401ks, though some of the IRA money has been converted to Roth recently. If so, do those after-tax dollars become part of the 26000 max 401k allowable for 2021, meaning our paycheck deductions should be lowered if we want to smooth out those deductions over the entire year, are there any taxes due on the roughly $1,000 in gains 
on the $5,000 contributions. Thanks very much. And congrats on being named the most entertaining financial podcast out there. Definitely a deserving honor. I don't know if it's, we, we were voted the, we were voted, by, by one was, website. Yeah. yeah. FYPhysician.com voted as uh, best retirement podcast with humor. We got it. Which that it definitely Al, is. That Al secretly runs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was the one that the majority voter on that. Um, so, okay, let me let me answer David's question here. He's His wife is doing after-tax contribution to the 401k. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. She did about 5000 which she grew to 6000 So she could convert the $5,000 that will have zero effect on her ability to do the $26,000 401k. But what is confusing to me, Al, is that if she's already maxed out at $26,000, how did she get more money as an after-tax into the plan? Well, that confused me too. So I'm, I'm guessing it's the after-tax is over and above the 26, but it's it, it's hard the way this reads. Correct. Um, how about if I answer it like this? Okay. A Roth conversion does have, have zero effect on any ability to put money into a 401k. It doesn't count as the contribution. It doesn't account against income. It doesn't account against anything from limitations to Roth contributions. All it is is taxable to your tax return. If it's after tax, it would be tax free. If $5,000 was after tax and she converted the $6,000, then the $1,000 would be taxed. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's probably the question. Can she still do the full $26,000? The answer is yes. If uh, if she wants to convert to five thousand, no problem. If she wants to convert six thousand, she's going to have to pay tax on one thousand of that because even though that's earnings on the after tax money, it's still counted as pre tax. Got it. Hopefully that helps, David. Warm up out there in NYC. Appreciate you hanging out with us again. Ricky from Alabama writes in. Yes, podcast around. <laughs> I think he means best. Oh, you just, <laughs> I'm little, just guessing. little typo. I think so. Yes, podcast around. Yes. All right. Thanks, Ricky. <laughs> I'm just I'm just estimating here. Got it. Financial or otherwise. He's probably listening to this. He's like, damn it. <laughs> Should have proofread that email. <laughs> I sent it too quickly. <laughs> I was so excited. I'm currently in the 12% tax bracket. If I convert to a Roth to the top of that bracket, it will take 13 years, even more when RMD starts in eight years to convert. Are you following that so far? Uh, I think so. I think he's got, so he's, he's probably 66, okay. 64. If right. I convert up to the point where Medicare surcharges will kick in, that puts me in the 22% tax bracket. At that rate, it would take eight years. What's your spitball advice? <laughs> this is a giant spitball. This is a lot of spit spitting. <laughs> There's this, a, this is all spit, bro. Um, so I think what he's saying, he could convert everything in 13 years, but then he'd be getting his RMD and he could stay in the 12% bracket, or he could do this in eight years up to the Medicare, the point where the Medicare surcharge kicks in, which is 200,000 for a single person, 250,000 for married. I think that's what he's saying. So the, to me, the, I guess the concept or the question, the, the unwritten question here or the assumption is I have to convert every last dollar out of my IRA 401k to Roth. And, and the answer is no, you don't. Because now think, just think about what you're doing. If you're converting in the 22% bracket 
to avoid being in the 12% bracket later, aren't you paying too much tax to convert in the 22% bracket if you're going to be in the 12% bracket later? That's how I read this question. So I would stick with the 13-year plan <laughs> and you don't have to get it all converted. Just stay at the top of the 12% bracket. I think that's a good way to go. That, um, we know how old is he? RMD start in eight years. Yeah, so he's 64. So, but if he's taking Social Security out, then it's gonna this this throws I, I everything I, I, off. I've oversimplified it, but because if he's taking Social Security, then maybe he doesn't want to convert at all. Because if he's single and he's at the top of the twelve, but then you have to look at well, what happens if you don't convert at age seventy-two? So there's there's a lot more math to to do this. So the the at the question was do a spitball analysis. So that's what I did. Got it. <laughs> okay. It says. Uh, do you know that you look like Tom Arnold? I do not look anything like Tom Arnold. P.S. Has Joe ever been asked to be the stunt double for Tom Arnold? <laughs> Have you been asked? <laughs> Every time I go out now. <laughs> like, what the hell is Ricky talking about? Huh. Andy, are you, are, do you she, think I have any resemblance to Tom Arnold? And, oh, she's she's, she's upset too. She's like, hell no, <laughs> she, you don't look like I'm six almost six five and two hundred and twenty pounds. How tall is Tom? Tom Arnold is like five eight and three fifty. <laughs> well, maybe you look like Tom to him. <sighs> Ricky from Alabama <laughs> that likes LSU that says yes, podcast around. All right, Ricky. We got 529 plans. We got Eric, Alan Joe. I'm truly enjoying the podcast and finding the confidence to make changes and look at things with much better knowledge. Well, look at that, Al. Yeah, that's that's very thoughtful. I mean, we're giving people confidence. Right. I mean, that's what we do here. Yeah. Now, my barbershop, you know, we the, the shirts would say we sell confidence. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. When Was you that walk, your, your slogan? No. Nope, nope. They came up with oh, that? Yeah. When, yeah when you walk out with a fresh cut, I mean, you're, you're pretty confident. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for all you do. Here's my question. I have a 529 plan accounts for my two children, age 10 and seven. They are through Chet, Connecticut Higher Education Trust. We're recently taken over by Fidelity. When transferred over, the money was automatically put into the Fidelity Blended Fund 2013 2033. The expense ratios are quite higher 0.4% compared to the Fidelity Index at 0.05, which is an option I can switch to. Given the timeline until the money is needed and the expense ratio difference between the options, does it make sense to switch it to the index funds? Not knowing what the market will do over the next several years um, is looking at just expense ratio okay to make this decision. <clears throat> There's no performance to compare as these funds have just been open. Does it make sense to do a 50-50 split in allocation? I've attached appropriate info that you can help answer this question. Thanks for your help. Sorry, Eric. I didn't look at the attached info. Yeah, we don't uh, have that in front of us. Um, Send it to you like four times. Yep. I delete <laughs> attached info. Yes. So 10 and seven, um, just go with the index fund. Who cares? The blended fund, you got a little bit of bonds in there versus a straight index. That's the only difference. So it, it's actively managed with the blended fund. So they might switch the allocation and might switch to, you know, age-based. If it's a straight index, you're, you're not probably getting any other management. At 10 and 7, so you still got 10 years for one and um, eight years or seven years for the other. That's still a pretty good time frame. It's a long time frame. I agree. I'd go with the index funds too. Yeah. I mean, just understand what the index funds are invested in. 
I mean, if you're okay with the appropriate risk, that's what I would be more concerned with versus the expense ratio. If it's the exact same fund with higher expense ratio, then go with the lower expense ratio. Yeah. But if you're buying something for that added expense ratio, I mean, 0.4%, don't, who, who, I mean, yeah, I it's, it's not the end of the it's world. It's not that much. You probably probably want to buy an index fund that's stock based, and then maybe a, a one that's smaller, a bond bond. But based. he's got these. No, they're five twenty nine plans that are twenty thirty twenty thirty three. So they're age based. So if they're already age based that are going to switch or turn, then go with the index. Yeah. Okay. I think he's he's over analyzing. Yeah. Things. Okay. I'm with you. All right. Thanks, Eric. It says hi, Andy, Big Al, and Joe. I'm John from. Abilene, Texas. Right? Abilene. Damn it. I think. Can't wait to hear how Joe messes this one up. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> is it Abilene or Abilene? You're thinking Abilene? Oh, thinking Abilene. It says E N E at the end. I'm thinking it's Abilene. Yeah. What did I say? Abilene? Abilene? I said No, that's what Joe said. Oh, yeah. You're right. Abilene. You had it right, Al. I had it right. I guarantee you it's Abilene. I think it's lean. Abilene, what, what, Texas. How do you pronounce L-E-N-E? Lean? Line. <laughs> I would my draw. With your accent <laughs> yeah. from Minnesota? Got oh, I got my Texas draw. Got it. Okay. All right. I'm 33 and have a Roth account with Fidelity. How do y'all feel about target date funds? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just reading this. Oh, gosh. How do y'all feel about target date fund ladders? Ladders. Ladders. Wow. Okay. Oh, boy. Here we go. Yeah. Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. You, you like this stuff. Oh, God. I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm currently in the Fidelity Freedom Index 2055. I'm wondering if I should do a ladder approach and have money in all three target date funds, 25% and 2050 at age 62. Uh, 50% in 2055 at age 67. That's when his retirement date is. And yeah. 25 and 2060. Okay. Um, all right. I know I have a lot of time, but a little vague guidance would be helpful. I know you can't give advice on the air. Thanks. Uh, no, John, I hate that idea. Totally. <laughs> now, if you're going to retire at three different times. Yes. <laughs> one third of me is going to retire <laughs> at 62. The other third at 67. The other third at 72. Yeah. That'd be perfect. <laughs> Um, no, let me explain why target date funds will already allocate themselves right as you age. And so it's just a total redundant strategy, especially if you got the same fund family that probably has the same allocation, but probably. a different percentage in each of the different funds. They're fund of funds. Right. Here's what you do, John. Um, I know everyone in their 20s and 30s love the ladder, like the, the, the stupid Roth ladder. Because well, he doesn't know when he's going to retire. That's a long no, way. No, they like to get a little bit. So they're, they're trying to they're trying to mess with something that was created to make it easy, and they're making it difficult. What is happening here? Let's have a ladder of a ladder. Let, you know, let's let's ladder it up. You know, so I have something to say. Well, well, you just got one target date fund. No, I ladder mine. No, I got yeah. What's that mean? Oh, yeah. I'm part of me is retiring at sixty two. <laughs> the other part sixty seven. <laughs> My brain retired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make half as much when I after 62 because I won't be that smart anymore. They'll pay me half as much. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> By 72. Ooh, uh, I don't, uh, I'm not worth anything. The rest of me's gone. <laughs> uh, so, no, don't do that, John. I don't like, well, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. It's redundant. It doesn't make a lot of sense, to be honest with you. You're not more diversified at all. 
Um, Plus you're 33. They're all going to be almost the same. Almost identical. For 20 years. Exactly. <laughs> so what's the matter? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's just, I mean, if you like to look at things. Um, I mean, and, if, if you're 60 years old, then it would make a difference. Yeah, but you still don't ladder or you don't no. have multiple target date funds. That's the point of a target date fund. You're supposed to invest in one. Yeah, have an idea and you change it if you retire at a different date. Right. Yeah, because it's already diversified for you. It's a portfolio for your entire nest egg is what the target date funds were created but, but for. But I get the question. So 33, you have no idea. I Maybe I'll retire at 40, maybe 72. I mean, you don't know. Well, is that what the latter strategy is? <laughs> if he's know. like, well, I don't know. Well, maybe if I retire at 60 versus 60 or 62. I, and I'm then hit, I'm just guessing gonna, my bet. <laughs> yeah, then as I get older, I'm just going to put everything. I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, I agree. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. Here's what I would do to make it really simple. Just pick one of those. I would pick the 72 one just because you're going to have a lot more stock exposure. That's true for longer. Right. For longer. And then once that thing builds up, he's 33. I'm not sure how much money John has, but a lot of our uh, listeners yeah. at 30s have quite a bit of money. You know, by the time you hit 50 and you get more clarity or 55, then switch to the right year. Right. Or even 45, you could probably get a little bit more sophisticated strategy by right. having multiple funds. Sure. If you want multiple funds, here's three funds that I would go. You can go total U.S. stock market, total international market, and you know you could do a small cap value fund. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Just to if get you, you some hedge or you know, short-term market. bonds. Yeah. Maybe do a little bit short-term bonds. Right. Just for safety. Those are your three funds that you would want to invest in. Yeah, I agree. So maybe you go at 33 you go at the very most. This is not advice. <laughs> uh, Ten right. or twenty percent in the bonds, and then the rest um, in the stock. You could probably go sixty percent U.S., forty percent international. When you decide it's finally time for actual professional financial advice rather than spitball suggestions, sign up for a free financial assessment with one of the certified financial planner professionals on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure Financial Advisors. They'll look at your entire financial picture, your risk tolerance, your goals. They will show you how to apply investing strategies that'll minimize risk and maximize return, protect against inflation and rising healthcare costs, make the most of your social security, choose a retirement distribution plan that makes sense for your specific situation. And of course, they will help you to legally reduce taxes now and in the future. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app and click the big green get an assessment button to get started. It doesn't cost anything and you'll come away with concrete steps to take and a real financial plan for retirement success. Visit the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click get an assessment. We got useless Ulysses. Ulysses. Ulysses Grant. Uh, <laughs> what did you say? Useless? I didn't mean That's to what say that. Ulysses. <laughs> say it again. Ulysses. 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 Ulysses or Ulysses? I think either are correct, but I, I will tell you, you'll notice the last note says, please withhold or change name. So I chose this because I knew you'd have a hard time with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at Andy, right? Oh <laughs> She's purposely you, making us look bad. I know. Especially you. I just watched uh, Lincoln. You did? Yes. Sure. So, that's, so that's you should know how to movie. pronounce Ulysses. I call him Colonel Grant. <laughs> <laughs> and I that's, a, that's easier to say. My family is supposedly related to Ulysses S. Grant. You really? Oh, yep. Wow. Okay. I, I didn't know that. I. I don't know if it's true or not, but that's what my grandfather, whose middle name was Grant, tells me or told yeah. me. Okay. Yep. Hello, gang. I've been listening since Paul Merriman appeared as a guest in 
cross post oh. <laughs> posted no. i thought it, I'm, I'm getting tired cross posted um that appearance on his podcast that was wow. a, that was a while ago yeah I had paul on yeah i wonder how i want to say years ago <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while yeah um since we've had paul merriman on I remember, like you and I, Andy just did an interview. Alan was out. Maybe that was what two, three years ago, with Paul. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, it's, it's been a while. See, and he was for talking. me, I'm thinking back to the studio days in Kearney Mesa. Yeah, no, this was no, yeah, okay. Um, I work two full time jobs, seven days a week. Jeez, you need a break <laughs> to secure my retirement, so I don't have any pets. No time for pets. No, I don't blame you, man. You grind it, grinder. Right. My GF girlfriend. Dear, I don't think I've ever used the word GF. But you ever type just, it? No. Um, I, I have never used that term. Uh, well, um, useless does. Uh, my, G, my GF <laughs> has two pugs and a cat. I own two Ford Focuses. Foci? Plural for Focuses. Uh, uh, my, you know, the there was a um, mushroom that goes up to the bar and the bartender goes, no, we don't serve you. And he goes, what? I'm a fun guy. <laughs> I should have told that at my golf round. Oh, now you're telling dad jokes. Holy was, cow. That, that would have been better than Tom Woolway's jokes. Yeah. Uh, my question concerns section uh, 1099s or oh, cap 199A <laughs> is what he's doing. 199 um, cap A. Okay. You want to go back and start this section over? Please. <laughs> my, my question concerns section 199A dividends. You could, you could say cap A if you want. Um, my form 1099 div <laughs> lists the Vanguard small cap and small cap value funds having section 199A dividends. Upon investigation, I'm reading that I'm eligible for a tax deduction of 20% of these dividends as my taxable income is below 163. Even with the Roth conversion I did last year to the top of 24% tax bracket, can someone explain to me in plain English the rationale for me getting this deduction? I'm not complaining. I just want to understand my total section 199A. That's the, the it is. Yeah. I was right. You're right. Cafe. Yeah. Cafe. Hey, right. But I never did cafe dividends. It's income. He must be self-employed with his... no, it's, it's dividends. I know the answer to that. Keep reading. All right. I'm, 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 I'm tired of reading this question <laughs> uh, for both funds are just under $595. So is it what I would call a game changer for my taxes? Thanks. Please withhold or change my name. <laughs> We should just so, change or withhold this question. <laughs> I think Andy rewrote the question to try to trip you up. Anyway, so so here's here's the answer. So section one ninety nine cafe dividends. So so this this is relating to um, to either real estate income or self employment income. Uh, this was a, it's a, you get to deduct 20% of your net profits on qualifying real That's estate. QBI in income. QBI, qualified business income. You get to deduct up to 20% of your profits. Now, where it comes into dividends, Joe, is when it's a real estate investment trust that 
generates dividends, which essentially is the same activity as you owning a piece of real estate. This is just your real estate ownership is through a real estate investment trust. So as a consequence, the IRS has allowed REIT, real estate investment trust dividends to get this 20% deduction, which is section 199 cap A, also known as qualified business income, QBI. Got it. So that's the answer. So that's why. And, and yeah, don't complain. And I would agree, it's not a uh, game changer, but it's nice to have. Yeah, he tortured me <laughs> for $595 of dividend interest. That well, he's then he gets get 20%, 20% of, that. of that. Yeah, right. Jeremy from Cookerville writes in again. Cookville. Why did you put his like area code or zip code? No, he, he actually put in his zip code. So I'm assuming that now that uh, we did the, the guy in the 65657, that's going to become a thing. Got it. In the 38501? Yep. Isn't he the... Um, He's the supply chain manager. Oh, I was going to say line cook. Oh, I remember. He, he did not <laughs> put that in his email this time, though. So. I was going to say what, line cook. Did we figure out what supply chain manager was? He, yeah, yeah. Just supply. supply. Sub- <laughs> um, Got it. Uh, Allie, Andy, and Joe. Uh, Matt Stafford will be an LA Ram in the next two years, for the next two years, earning $34 million over those two years. Do you think he's better off to invest heavily into tax deferred accounts since he is likely to be in a lower tax bracket at retirement age? Also, do you believe he's got to stop to help the Rams win a Super Bowl <laughs> in the next two years? Just in case I ever get offered a two-year deal worth $34 million in the future. He's thinking ahead. Well, your su- supply chain manager slash line cook in Cookerville. <laughs> right. Anything can happen. It's possible. No, no, no. He, he's the, the supply chain manager, and he also has the uh, the boat side hustle. Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah. I remember that now. Oh, the boat guy. He, like, repairs boats or something and resells no. them? Yeah. yeah. K- kayaks, that's it. Yes. Oh, that's right. Right. He doesn't he make like, a lot. No, he did like 400,000 kayaks and made $8. I remember that. Should I open up a regular IRA or a, a 401k? You, should I get an LLC? Doesn't matter. Should I hire no. a CFO? <laughs> um, so first of all, Jeremy, $34 million. Uh, we're, we're not LA Rams fans here anymore. We live in San Diego. Um, they left. And so yeah. I don't really know. Well, that was the Chargers. the Chargers, but we're not LA Charger fans either. See, that tells you how much <laughs> I follow professional so, football. So you don't know if the LA Rams are going to win the Super Bowl because of uh, Matt Stanford. I, I know who Matt Stafford is. Yeah. Um, he kind of blew up Detroit. Yeah. Um, so $34 million. Yeah. Um, that's a lot. That's a lot. It, but how much money can he put in a tax deferred account? Big Al? Not 34 20, million. 26,000. <laughs> Maybe he could do the mega, get another twenty five thousand in. Um, yeah. So no, no, he can't. He's limited to whatever plan the Rams have. He's going to be in a very low tax bracket as in, uh, after he earns all this money, um, because he can't put it in tax deferred account. Yeah, it's just he's just going to have to pay a lot of taxes when he receives the income. Correct. Uh, but then it will all be in a brokerage account. That's right. If he saves it. But then the good news about that is you pay the tax once and then the future income and growth is taxed generally at capital gain rates. Correct. So you have a pretty decent, if you don't spend it all, you have a, have a pretty decent future. Yes. Um, I didn't know he signed with the Rams. Did you? No. Yeah. You follow it. Don't you? I, I follow it less than you do. 
I, I used to be a Chargers fan years ago. Yeah. Dan Fouts. He was my favorite. Oh, wow. That's a long time ago. That's, that's oh. way long ago. Wow. That's when I was and, little. And of course, Philip Rivers. Who couldn't like Philip Rivers, right? Yeah. He's got 400 kids. <laughs> nice guy. And, and every after every game, they would talk to him, even the most egregious losses, and it'd be so positive. Well, we really showed a little bit here. We're going to come back next time. I was like, good for, good for you, Phil. Yeah, look at you. Um, all right. Well, thanks for the question, Jeremy. Uh, keep it up with the kayaks. Summer coming in Tennessee. Does yeah. it get cold in Tennessee? I don't even know. Uh, yeah, I think so. I've been in Nashville a few times, but it's always been the summer. The summer, yeah. I'm sure it gets cold there. All right. That's it for us. Good night. <laughs> the derails continue shortly, so stick around. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click that Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 and schedule a free financial assessment video call. It doesn't matter where you are in the country, and chances are a certified financial planner at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. I thought they got rid of the T-Birds like back in Greece. Uh, yeah, I thought that like it was the '60s they stopped doing that. Right. You know the T-birds and the, yeah. the pink lady, the pink, pink jackets. <laughs> Don't know about that. You guys are cultured. You guys are cultured. From Happy Days, Pinky Tuskadero. The movie. Oh, Grease. Grease. Oh, okay, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. it's only been 30 years since I've seen. How about it. Grease too? You guys ever seen that one? Oh, I did, God. but it wasn't as good. Oh, by far, it was awesome. <laughs> it was it's like top 10 movies. Terrible. <laughs> so good. <laughs> How many beers do you keep in that refrigerator? 30 pack. 30 pack? Yep. That's all? 30 pack. And then if if it goes to 29, I get another 30 pack. Get that thing jammed in there. Got it. All right. Always keep keep 30 at all times. Always 30 cold beers. Anything besides Coors Light or that's it? No, there's some, um, you know, some guys and and gals that will bring stuff over. Yeah. And it just sits there there. until they come back. So you've got (laughs) beers in your fridge that are like 12 years old? No, no, no. But, well, okay. they're not Coors Light. They're yeah. the other kind. Right. I don't yeah. even know. Yeah, like... Um, Amstel Light. Amstelite. No, I would probably drink an Amstelite, maybe. Okay. Um, how, but, bad, how bad? Like, a, like an 805? Uh, like, Stone IPA? Yeah, no, there's no way I'd touch that. <laughs> that would rot in my fridge. Um, Those even give me a headache. Yes. It's like anything like that. I think I, there's some 805s in there. Those are pretty light. No, yeah, I don't drink you, that stuff. You don't like that? No. I don't. You like Stella. I used to. I don't drink. I mean, too, too, I would do too rough for you. Tastes have have moved no, along. Oh yeah. Well, no. It's just it's. I like to have more than one. Yeah. Right. And then it, it, you can't so, have like four Stellas because no. you feel bloated. Yeah, you'll you're probably right. gain ten pounds. I mean, I could cash four Coors Lights in a fifteen minute city now. No, no, <laughs> no problem. No problem. <laughs> so I'm I'm on. I like hazy IPAs right now. So I'm kind of on a hazy. Yeah, no, no, very light, light beer. It's all good. Light only. Okay.